heard you, J-Rose, and I fixed it. It is the Indeed Podcast. Black History Month, the last show of the month. Again, our friend J-Rose is here. Thank you for joining us. And you guys, I couldn't think of a better way to end this month than to have a legendary independent wrestler, legendary pro wrestler join us. Uh, when I set out to do this month of podcast, I had kind of an idea of what I wanted to do as roundtables and, and you know, paying tribute to black independent wrestling. And I was like, having like a legend at the end of this would be so perfect. And somehow we are here today joining us, very special guest, first ever black CZW champion, independent wrestling hall of famer, the king of flipping and spinning. It is Ruckus himself. Ruckus, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's coming, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't even, this is like, this is just legendary and we just uh, are here pretty much to show appreciation to you. So yeah, I told a little bit of story on Twitter. So when I discovered this form of independent wrestling, the independent wrestling that I love the most, it was like two or three o'clock in the morning and I somehow got a pack of CZW videos and they were just short highlight videos, two to three minutes and Red and Brian XL blew my mind. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching here, but there was another video with the guy that was doing the wildest things I ever did. He was doing moonsaults. He was doing 450 splashes. He was doing all the shit you ever see, but he looked like me. So I was like, well, this is, what is this? What am I seeing? And that guy was ruckus. That day I saw ruckus, like my life changed. I was like, I didn't, I was a backyard wrestler at the time and you had your backyard wrestling roots. So like just seeing you and knowing all that, it like hit so hard. And to know that happened in 2002, 2001 and for you to join us here today. Again, I just want to say thank you. I think I want to start out by, uh, of course, how did you transition from backyard wrestling into CZW? Because I think that kind of thing is, it's not, backyard wrestling is a lost art form these days. And you are one of the prime examples of it being a success story. Yeah. Um, well, I was doing backyard wrestling with, with a bunch of friends of mine in uh, Maryland. We had a fad called uh, Hardcore Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we would often trade tapes with uh, Sanjay Dutt. He's another oh, good friend of mine. Mm, yeah. Now, in my backyard fed, we had, like, Hurricane Kid, um, Philip Stamper. He's a name on the Indies. Shout out to the shout out to the president. Shout out yeah. to Phil Stamper. Yeah, me and Phil have been friends since I've been, like, 16 years old. Wow. So wow. we've been wrestling with each other for a while. But... When Backyard Wrestling got banned in Maryland, me and Hurricane Kid decided we were going to go pro. So I ended up going to a wrestling school in Maryland called Brain Busters. Mm. It was ran by a dude named Tim Burke and Dennis Wentbrek. And I was trained by Bob Starr, Chad Austin, Axel Rotten, Gilberg, among others. Mm. And, um... The CZW thing was a funny story. Like I've only I was only wrestling about a year and a half at that point, mm-hmm. and we were doing ring rentals for CZW. Like when you first get in the business, you're not really on shows, right? So you got to be like a ring boy. So me and Hurricane Kid would travel up to New Jersey with this ring for CZW, <laughs> and the first time I saw it, I'm thinking to myself. This is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I remember being at Cage of Death 2, and I'm watching Lobo and uh, Justice Payne, and I'm watching them blow each other up and all types of shit, and I'm like, this is nuts. But then I saw a bunch of cruiserweights like Trinacid, Nick Burke, mm-hmm. Nick Mondo, and they're out there hitting all types of cool shit. So I'm just like, I need to be a part of this, you know what I mean? And by luck, me and Hurricane Kid were at a show in Jersey for a place called uh, Powerhouse Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, I was wrestling Joker and Sabian, or G's, like before we were even, before we even knew each other. Wow. And it was a four-way. It was me, G's, Joker, and Hurricane Kid. And it just so happened that Dewey Donovan... 
Zandig and a few other CZWDs were at the show talking to the promoter about something. And they just happened to look at the match. And I say maybe two weeks later, I got a call from Zandig to come to Delaware. And it was just history from there. You know what I mean? For sure. That's crazy. That's like happenstance just being in the right place at the right time how were, were you guys a part of the banning of backyard wrestling did like was did you guys play a part in that happening yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> we had all types of people coming out of the maryland for doing it and it wasn't just us it was pretty much every backyard fed in maryland got taken down so gotcha yeah. Do you remember what specifically the the last straw was for them to be like, actually, yeah, wrap this up. Do you remember <laughs> do you remember what it was? Or no, is it like a, a combination of, of things? It was pretty much a combination of things. And mm-hmm. a lot of the feds were like selling tickets to the to their backyard shows and stuff. Oh. They would come up with any reason uh just mm-hmm. pretty much shut you down just because they didn't want you having fun. So Backyard wrestling, uh, probably the people in the neighborhoods, all kind of stuff kind of played a role in it, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, I think when I originally had discovered you, you were kind of locked in to, you mentioned him, Trent Acid. Like, I became a big fan of Trent Acid through his matches with you in CZW. Talk to us about your relationship with Trent Acid and what those matches did for your career. Oh, they did everything for my career. Like... I wasn't even supposed to wrestle Trent Acid the first time we wrestled. Mm-hmm. The guy I was supposed to well, he was supposed to wrestle, dropped out. And the guy I was supposed to wrestle just didn't show up. <laughs> so they just mashed us up together at spare the moment that day. And at this point, we just talked to each other in passing. Like, so we would uh, work stuff out. And me, I'm not traditionally a cruiserweight type wrestler. Like, I was trained to be, like, a TV-style wrestler. Like, uh, straight Memphis. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, so, wow. when I got to wrestle Trent, it was a whole different story. Because they <laughs> do something, like, called, like, a Philly-style wrestling, is what he calls it. And it's more of, like, a Lucha Libre mixed with, like, a Japanese-style. So, that day, <laughs> Trent Acid taught me that style of wrestling. And... Wow. Before that, you weren't doing like you 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 had a Memphis style, like you were trying to do like the old school Jerry Lawler, like we punch and bleed together type stuff. That's how I was trained, but like (laughs) I I still did some flips and stuff. Like I'm not saying I didn't do that type of thing. Right, I knew how to run spots to a point, Mm -hmm. but your structure was way different than what Trent and them were were presenting at the time. Yeah, and then when Trent taught me that style, it just changed up everything. Because I was able to mix the Memphis style with the Cruiserweight style mm-hmm. and still do my own thing with it. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Like, my style I... isn't like pretty much like anybody else's. Not at all. When I come up with moves, I try to come up with stuff <laughs> that hasn't been done before. Or if it has been done, I try to add a twist to it. But, you know, that was so... how it was back then. Of those, like, because that's so interesting that you bring that up because, like, you of the people of that time, at least it feels like, you know, uh, I'm a promoter and a ring announcer. So I, I I see basically everything on the independent scene as it stands right now. And it seems like there's a lot of people who are trying to emulate what you all were doing in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And for you to be like, well, we were just kind of, you know, not making it up as we went along, but there was no precedent for what you were doing, especially for the fact it was like, with you saying that you came up in Memphis mm-hmm. with doing Memphis style, like I, I just want to know like what led to the the further creativity. Cause you could have kept doing like, you know, a you know, a bare bones style of injection, but you're you especially are an innovator. What yeah. dr- drove you to innovate more? Well, it just goes back to the backyard days, like mm. Back in the backyard days, me and Sanjay would literally send tapes back and forth trying to one-up each other <laughs> on moves. So if I see Sanjay do something, then I'm like, well, I got to do it better than Sanjay. 
But then Sanjay would send me a tape back doing some fucking wild shit. <laughs> and then that would just force me to kind of come up with something else crazy. You know what I mean? And when it comes to pro wrestling, I look at it as I want to see what I want to see. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if yep. I want to see something crazy and nobody else is doing it, then I'm just going to have to go out there and do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I didn't even... The whole reason I started wrestling in the first place, I'm a... I'm a I'm a collegiate wrestler. Like, mm-hmm. I wrestled in high school and shit like that. And, like, I was really, really good at it. And I remember after I went in the States, I came home and WCW Saturday Night was on. And a video played. And it was a... Uh, it was a video of Too Cold Scorpio. Like, an mm. video. Mm. And it was wow. on the basketball court. Wow. And I don't know if you've ever seen that video before. Yeah, yeah. But I saw that video, and I remember playing that video back at least a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Like, all week. I just kept watching that video and repeat, because I'd never seen any shit like that. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I remember going to my room, taking the mattress off my bed, putting it out in my yard, <laughs> and fucking up a 450 at least 450 times. <laughs> <laughs> Until I got it right. but yeah man when it comes to that type of shit man innovate innovating new moves is what i'm all about and i want to i kind of think of wrestling differently like i like seeing stuff kind of like a jackie chan movie almost Mm -hmm. you watch Mm -hmm. a jackie chan movie and you're entertained by the whole situation and then when you see this dude do something just off the wall crazy that you've never seen before you're like, what the fuck? And that's the type of shit that I like to see. Mm-hmm. So if I'm putting a match together, I try to put a bunch of that type of stuff in there. And I try to do something something innovative that you really wouldn't see in anybody else's match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For sure. That's like, I see uh a lot of people doing the moves that I came up with right now. Yeah, I was gonna ask actually ask you about that, because like nowadays it feels like uh if uh if you see a, re- a move on TV that an independent wrestler does, an independent wrestlers are sad, mad, and upset in the comments. How do you feel if someone does your stuff? Do you do you feel like you need to be paid tribute to? Do you feel like you need to be shown love? Or are you just like, is everything kind of out in the open? That's all good. Like, <laughs> that, that's a girl on WWE right now doing all of my stuff. Mm. And, like, from my mushroom stomp to my razzle-dazzle to everything, Mm-hmm. And she's unbelievable. I can't think of her name right now, mm-hmm. but I just saw her on uh, Royal Rumble, and she was doing all types of crazy shit. And I'm down with that. Like, I know how difficult it is for me to pull those moves off. Right. So if you can pull them off and you can do it good, you know, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. I mean, because I mean, be like cool I said, to get a shout out. But yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. That's it's all very I'm saying. rare that people want to shout you out for coming up with something. You know what I mean? <laughs> In this business. That's wild that you tell that story about Too Cold Scorpio because, like, He's a you, goat, guys, you guys are just, like, so the same. It, to me, it's like, it's y'all too. It's, it's all it, of the guys, you know? For, uh, for Too Cold Scorpio is the GOAT. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if, if I may interject real quick, the way that you feel about Too Cold Scorpio is – the way that black wrestlers of my generation feel about you. That's how I felt when I saw that video that <laughs> See, night. Like crazy, I felt man, like, I oh my God, what know. is this? This is blowing my mind. When I found your video, I watched it a thousand times. Like, what is this guy doing? How does he do that? Yeah, I mean, it was, like the crazy part about the whole thing is like most people don't realize when I got into business, I was like, I think I was about 450 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Just doing that type of stuff was just easy to me. Like once I once I got the four fifty, bro, it was a done deal after that. Like that builds your confidence up to the point that if I know I'm four hundred and fifty pounds and I really shouldn't be doing a four fifty, <laughs> then what else can I do? And then I just kept doing it. And I didn't really think much of it. Because in my head, I'm not looking at myself as a four hundred and fifty pound dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when people see me do the stuff in the ring, they're just like, 
mind blown. And I'm just like, that's not even my good stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> being able to do that stuff at 450 pounds was insane. But then when I lost a bunch of weight for the WWE thing, it got even crazier. Like, the moves were just, like, effortless. You know what I mean? So, I wanted to ask you, because I've, I've heard, like, not not anything negative, but I've heard that story told through other people. Uh, about I know we're skipping far ahead in your career, but yeah, like, no, go the for WWE, it. the WWE because that intrigued me. Uh, I've heard I've heard many people tell the story, but I've obviously not have the opportunity to speak to you. Can you speak on that a little about what all went down as far as that I mean, goes? It's not really, it's really anticlimactic, so it's not really like a really <laughs> crazy story, right? So right, Stevie Richards helped me get in touch with the WWE originally. Mm-hmm. So I used to just send tapes in. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> like just send them in, send them in, send them in. And one day, uh, I just got back from doing a tour for All Japan. And I remember coming home and on my message machine, Tommy Dreamer was on it. And he said, uh, I want to give you a job. So I was like, cool. So I was all pumped <laughs> up about it. You know what I mean? So I called him right. back. We talked it over. Um, and you know, I was told, you know, get in shape, like get a TV style body or whatever. So I did all that and I dropped about 220 pounds in like five months and just got jacked. And I didn't, I never used steroids or anything like that. So let's just get that out the way right off the bat. So I got in the shape that I needed to get in and everything. But then I was told they were on a height kick. So mm. now I'm too short and I'm too skinny. So <laughs> if I would have stayed the size that I was, it probably would have worked out different. So it is. Damn. Like, like that's got to, like, how how did you feel now? How, how did you feel then? And now have you, is it just like, a, a story for you to tell or is it still some sort of like resentment behind it or is it oh, just it like it is what it is i never really? had any resentment like i was happy just to be considered you see what i'm saying because back for in sure. those days nobody was really looking at us like that and then when they reached out and they were cool enough they let me come up there it was a real cool situation like it was nothing bad about it it's just business you know what i mean Business is business. Like, you really can't be better about it. It's not like you weren't good enough to be there. It was just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I remember it being kind of a, I don't want to say a drastic change, but now you're saying it being five months. I'm like, it was a drastic change from, like, big big guy I ruckus mean, into, like, call, you know what I mean? Work, right. <laughs> right. Did like, you, you were you, you so you weren't really that. expecting it then? No, nah. mm. I was when I got when I start, first started training, I was already told making it to WWE is slim to none. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you got to put the work in. I put the work in. They gave me a call. It just didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And with that, you know what I'm saying? You really can't be bitter you about had, it or nothing. For sure. It's not like you had any expectations going into right. it. It was like, so no. this was just like, you know, icing on top of the already established cake. Oh, exactly. So, okay. No, that makes that makes sense. And honestly, you're a better man than me. Because I would have <laughs> <laughs> I would have been sitting there like, man, you told me to look, I lost the weight. I did everything you told me to do. No, <laughs> man. All those dudes, look, the, all those dudes up at WWE were 100% class act dudes. And Tommy Dreamer, shout out to him, because he saw the talent in me, and he actually tried to give me a job, and I'm forever grateful for that. So, shout out to him and Stevie Richards for really helping me out. That's what's up. Since we're bouncing around here a little bit, I want to talk about Urban Wrestling Federation. (laughs) (laughs) Something that just is Lord makes me so happy and you could still watch the shows on Tubi. How did you get involved with this project? Because if people haven't seen Urban Wrestling Federation before, 
it's like its own little subgenre of pro wrestling where they have like cutscenes where niggas were shooting. There's blunts, Melly Mel's there, like all <laughs> kinds of stuff is going on. Eddie Kingston, Homicide, Ruckus, all your favorites there. How did you get involved with this project? Oh, I was. It was funny. I was. I'm home, <laughs> and I'm looking at the internet, and I see uh, an advertisement for it. So I'm like. All right, this looks fun. So I emailed uh, the dude and um, literally emailed me back within an hour. Mm. And uh, he's like, oh, I'd love to have you on. Do you know anybody else that might want to be on? So I reached out, you know, my Blackout crew, Kingston, and he had already got Homicide and SATs and all those dudes. And we met up at a place in New York called Club Amnesia, and that's when they filmed everything. That show was fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, you just, ra- a wrestler will just randomly be shooting a gun. Like, it's like, this is perfect. It's like GTA Pro Dude, Wrestling. When they told us we would be shooting guns and shit when we got there, we're like, what the fuck <laughs> we, did we get ourselves into? Then Melly Mel showed up, and he's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> What's Melly Mel doing here? I want to... <laughs> Melly Mel, I mean, he looked the part, though. That's the probably the best part about it. Oh, the shit was fucking fun, bro. What, did you guys just, like, film a few things and then that was it? It wasn't really anything super serious, right? No, it was a, it was a bunch of... They were filming it for TV. Mm. So they were filming it to be, like, a TV show. Really? So the mm. way they're playing it on, like, TV and stuff, or Pluto or whatever it's on, it was, That's it was the way it was supposed to be. Like to be. Episodic, mm. like uh, Def Jam fight for New York or whatever. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it was supposed to be like each rapper had their own crew and they're fighting to see who the king of New York is. <laughs> and like, That's... it was a cool concept. But they had some wacky ideas. Like, they were killing us off and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was fucking crazy. They're holding people up for money before their matches, man. That was. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stuff in that <laughs> urban wrestling thing. What a what a time that was and represented. And like you guys, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, you became, back to CZW, you became kind of a fixture of CZW. Um, there was like so much. It, when you watch a CZW from, show from that time, the early 2000s, it was so much variety and so many things going on. How was it kind of existing in a locker room that had guys like the SAT and Red and Messiah and Nick Mondo and all these different Justice Payne and Nick Gage and all these different types? What was that locker room like back then? Oh, man, locker room with the shit, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody was cool. Like, everybody just wanted to go out there and have a hot-ass match. Like, it was no conflicts, bro. It was just a cool-ass time. Mm. Yeah, it never really had any heat back there or nothing. It was just everybody's cool with each other. Really? Is it as because I hear people of your generation as I meet them uh, say like back then it was like a, a slightly dysfunctional, but it was like a family. Is that do you feel like that's true or were they gassing it up a little bit? It's like, no, we all came to do a job and we got along, but family's a little, See, a little, was, a little too yeah, much. I would say it was more like a family. Mm. Like, it was just a, a deal. Like, I saw these dudes every week. You know what I mean? So, it was always a good time with those dudes. And you would definitely think of it as a family because you see them so often that we're going to each other's houses and all types of shit. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was more like a family. Uh I have, I have a question for you. As mm-hmm. as much as you are known as an innovator and as a singles competitor, you know, um, held basically every belt in CCW except for that uh, that death match one. Uh, to a lot of people, you are known as a tag team wrestler. And uh, I would be remiss if I was on a podcast with you if I didn't talk about uh, my favorite group, maybe in wrestling history, uh, the label not the stable known as Blackout. Can you mm-hmm. give me? Uh, a a rundown of how all that came to be and uh, what was some of your favorite memories of working with that group of people? <laughs> well, it was uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, Rob <laughs> Zandig had uh, fired Robbie Marino. And in real yeah. life, me and Robbie Marino are best friends. That's my mm-hmm. dude. So, like, he fired him. And once I lost the belt to Sanjay... 
there was not really anything for me to do at the time because mm-hmm. I pretty much had the same gimmick. I'm just a baby face that comes out smiling and clapping hands. <laughs> like, I, I never even did a promo. Like, if you ever watched any of the early stuff. You never I, even heard me talk. I, I just I noticed. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I right. just come out, smile, clap hands, do some crazy shit. So, when it came time for me to lose the belt to Sanjay, I pitched the idea of, why don't you let me be a heel? Because I play a really good heel, because that's how I was trained. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you don't talk. <laughs> like, you don't let me talk. <laughs> so... Uh, they they were cool with it, and so they were like, "All right, we'll try it out, see what happens." So I turned heel on Sanjay after he beat me for the belt, and um, I actually got to talk. And once that once I did that, the crowd ate it up because they never seen me like go off like that, like a bad guy. So once you, they let me start doing my heel persona, I hooked up with Robbie because he called me one day like, "Bro, I got an idea." And originally the idea <laughs> was supposed to be like a like a bad boy record situation where like <laughs> I was gonna be like Biggie and he was gonna be like Puffy and it was gonna be like a comedy thing. And then uh <laughs> we we did this sketch. It's on YouTube, it's called uh, Blackout Origin. And it was like the first skit we did to explain what this blackout thing was. And it and right now like people probably think it was uh it probably wouldn't get over right now, but it was me turning Robbie from this corny white dude into this black dude, right? So he <laughs> he, he just started being like the white dude that I black. And mm-hmm. we knew that was gonna get over one hundred percent because people already didn't like Robbie as a ring announcer. But Robbie coming out acting like a tough guy, <laughs> wearing all his urban gear and shit, was gonna get over one hundred percent. And Robbie on the mic it's probably the best I ever do it. Like, the dude can get heat better than anybody I've ever seen. So, once they let me and him go out there and do that part, it started to get... I mean, it was all right. But then they were like, we want to make it bigger. So, we got G's and Joker. And they're fucking great. You know what I mean? Yeah, so for sure. once we all hooked up, we were already friends before any of us were in CZW. So the chemistry was just always perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And once we added them to the group and we actually found our, like our flow with it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and we got the, we got the theme song right. We got the personas right. Because I never really had a gimmick <laughs> until we started the blackout. Yeah. And then I started just being myself. You know what I mean? And then that's when we would always come up with ways every show to try to make the crowd pop before the match even started. So that's when I started doing, we just said we we're just going to be ourselves and just amplify it by 100. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was just For coming sure. smoking blunts and <laughs> putting <laughs> weed shit on. And I got my whole like ring entrance. And it is what it is from there, man. Like That shit just blew up. So with all that happened with Blackout, uh, there's a couple of, of key moments that, that stand out to me. Uh, but the biggest such one is uh, Cage of Death 6 with Y'all versus Team Cash, which is my personal favorite Cage of Death ever. Uh, but that's not, I'm not saying that you couldn't do it, but like that sort of like specialized hardcore wrestling style isn't particularly known to be your bag. Uh, what were your thoughts going into that match? And uh, are there any people rudimentally call this the best ever? Do, how do you feel about having that claim? Whereas there's a bunch of different deathmatch dudes who have done cage of deaths that are just up there, but that's commonly referred to as the best one. Oh, it was the best one. <laughs> I know that's right. I'm trying to be modest on yep. your behalf. Yeah. No. Nope. Hey. Uh, no arguments here, man. So no arguments here. I took in that match. I yep. want to say it was the best ever. And mm-hmm. at that point, we had Eddie Kingston, and you know Eddie's the shit. So, yep. Like <laughs> you had Eddie to the mix, and I think it was what me, Eddie, you, uh, Eddie, Jack uh, Evans, and Jeez, Jeez, and Jack Evans. 
that's my fucking dude. You know Ooh. what I mean? Jack Evans <laughs> is my man, and Jack is Jack is bad. You know what I mean? Jack was trying to die that day. Like, and we <laughs> we were in the back, bro, and it was like the crazy part is there wasn't a lot of planning of this thing. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. just said we were gonna go out there and we we're gonna steal the show. And when you got J.C. Bailey and Chris Cash in the mix, like Chris Cash is that's that was like hands down my dude. Like mm-hmm. we were close as hell, and we didn't give a fuck when we wrestled each other. We'll go out there and beat the shit out of each other. And Bailey was the same way. We just wanted to go out there and have the best cage match we can possibly have. And everybody in that match that night would above and beyond to, like, make this match fucking crazy. Like, Sexy Eddie, Nate Webb, like, those dudes are, like, two of the best wrestlers I've ever been in there with. And they will go out there and do the craziest shit in the world and make sure that match is, like, on point. So, yeah, that was probably one of the funnest matches I ever did. I mean, it hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> and you'll never see me do a shooting star off of that height ever again. Ooh. But, like, and that was just called on the fly. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah, man. We A lot of that was called on the fly. So, we were just going out there, just going, going ham, you know what I mean? That's... That's so otherworldly and incredibly impressive to me. I, I got so many more questions for Reg. I know you got some. No, you're that. good, bro. You're I'm loving it. You're you're deep in there. That's why I wanted to have you be a part of this. Um, when you uh, when you got to Blackout and you kind of like started getting more into your character, were you as? It sounds like you said that the wrestling came kind of easy. Did you kind of let the the wrestling stuff take a backseat to focus more, or was wrestling still, or are you still like, I'm gonna be also innovating in the ring? Yeah, dude. Like, um, I never really thought about it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like realistically, my gimmick is, you know, I'm a corner boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like the everyday dude you see on the corner smoking weed, like, and that's not really a hard gimmick <laughs> to do. It's just like. <laughs> Coming up with, like, things that make people know that's what the gimmick is. Like, my right. ring entrance and stuff. Like, Robbie Marino came up with pretty much all of the ring entrances you hear us do. Like, the Jake the Snake are getting baked and all Neat. that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was just me and Robbie sitting around, smoking blunts, just coming up with shit. So, <laughs> that that's how all that came about. The wrestling part. It just all flowed in with each other. Like, you right. tell me to go out there... And do something, I'll just go out there and pull it off. You know what I mean? Like, I never sure. really thought about wrestling as like uh, anything other than just having fun. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if I think of it any other way, then I, I don't want to do it. That's so. important. So, uh, as we progress and go through, you know, the biggest highlights of your career, like, mm-hmm. As someone, you know, as you, I'm trying to figure out a way to frame it. It's Black History Month, and uh, we've been trying to figure out and get a viewpoint specifically from Black wrestlers, mm-hmm. uh, primarily because don't nobody give a damn nine times out of ten <laughs> to ask us how we feel, especially not from our point of view. Right. As someone who came up in independent wrestling, and I want infancy may not be its its right the right term, but definitely in its golden age, uh, and like thrived almost incomparable to anybody else who was black around that time do you feel like you had it harder than some of your other peers who weren't black and did, was there any sort of added sense of responsibility to what you all were, what you were doing as a black independent wrestler and is that i know you it wasn't particularly trailblazing at that time but mm. someone who now knows that they were a trailblazer and what all that they were doing. Or was it just like, as you previously said, I was just going out there and doing whatever. Yeah, like, back then it wasn't... I never really had a problem when it came to racism or anything in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody pretty much cool throughout my career. And, you know, you, you run into, like, assholes here and there, or, like, asshole promoters or whatever. But what I... I don't think anything ever held me back, like, 
when it came to like race or anything. Mm-hmm. And as far as like, um, you know, at the time, I'm living in the moment, so I didn't think. I'm looking at it as I'm just a dude out there wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't think that. I never really thought I would ever anybody would ever even really care about what I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just getting into it because I just liked to wrestle. You know what I'm saying? And everything that came from that was just icing on the cake to me. I was happy the day I graduated wrestling school. Mm-hmm. I thought I accomplished the world at that point. So the way I looked at it is anything that comes from this point, you know, it is what it is. I was just lucky enough to break out the way that I did. Do you believe in uh, being ahead of your time? Like, do you think if, say that same scenario happened with Tommy Dreamer and he told you to lose weight and you came in at that size in this climate of pro wrestling, do you think your career would have been different? Or is it because you came in at a time where nobody in the world was like you that it hit harder? I mean, at the time, you got to look at it. I, can't, I think I had my first match in April of 1999. And at that time, you know, I was really green. That mm-hmm. was, I'm not even going to lie. Like, if you watch some of my matches for my first year of wrestling, it was terrible. Like, I had no time and I had nothing. So, I was pretty much learning as I go. And I think WCW and ECW had just shut down. Yep. So, at the time, you know, CZW was just coming up. And Ring of Honor wasn't even a thing yet. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't anywhere to go other than the indies. You know what I'm saying? You do the indies, you go to Japan, you do what you do. So mm-hmm. I pretty much just did that. And, you know, I made some pretty good money doing that. And it was just a fun time. So the way I looked at it is if somebody was going to sign me, I was up for it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, when MTV called, that was cool. Mm, That's another place to go there. (laughs) You've been a part of some really crazy, amazing, like, cult wrestling classic (laughs) things. It's crazy. (laughs) And speaking of cult things, like, the funny thing that happened that I never expected to happen at all, I think think it was, like, the fourth year I was in the business. Yeah, I think it was about the fourth year. We got put on a video game. I was just about to ask you about that. (laughs) That's the shit. You know what I mean? And I always wanted to be on the video. Thought I was the shit at that point. (laughs) So, So, you know, that type of shit was cool. Oh, since you brought it up, (laughs) I have to ask. Uh, me and my and my uh, me and my friends are longtime fans of the backyard wrestling games. Specifically, you being maybe the second most difficult guy to beat in the whole game. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Uh, You and Pondo are damn near impossible to beat. (laughs) Um, How did that come about? And, like, why, in your opinion, do you think you're so goddamn hard to beat? Dude, I have no clue, bro. Like, I I just, I remember getting a call with you on the game. Um, and once I got that call, I was just like, hell yeah, you know what I mean? And when the game <laughs> actually came out, I was like, this is fucking the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, mm. I never even thought I would even get a chance to do some shit like that. So, yeah, that was really, really a highlight right there. And then on the flip side of it, you were on part of part of wrestling society x which is another thing yeah. me and my friends are massive massive fans of um talk me through that a little bit and what all Seriously. that experience was like <laughs> um we were in uh germany at the time me and robbie and uh teddy hart was over there with us mm-hmm. and i met teddy like early on when I uh, did a tour of Italy and Bret Hart was there. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got introduced to Teddy. Mm. And then we were over in Italy, I mean, Germany, 
for a fair called uh, German Wrestling Promotion. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, Teddy was telling us that he signed this contract with MTV, and he was so, he was going to be on this wrestling show and everything. And we're like, that's crazy. And I never even heard anything <laughs> of it. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. You're, you're on it too. Don't worry about it. And, like, what are you about? <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, they're going to be calling. Don't worry about it. And they definitely called me. <laughs> and mm. Kevin Kleinrock, who was probably one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet, he, he hit me up and he was like, yeah, we want to have you. And dude was like, just cool as fuck. He brought me out there, um, paid me well, and we had a good time filming that, man. It was uh, probably one of the funnest fucking three weeks of my life. That shit was lit. So, oh, wait, all the filming took place in the span of three weeks? I mean, I know there wasn't that many episodes. I guess that makes sense, but yeah. that's absurd. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a good time, dude. It's wild that there's been so many of those little like LA projects, like which kind of morphed into what Lucha Underground became. But like they all tried to have like a little thing like that that was totally different. There's explosions, there's music, there's all kind of stuff. But Wrestling Society X is one that still kind of uh, hung around. How did you get involved with Ring of Honor? Was it just a part of the CZW versus Ring of Honor uh, feud? Nah, I just finished. Uh, I think I just finished WSX at the time mm. and I went on another tour of Germany and when I came back Gabe called me mm-hmm. and told me he had this uh, stable he was about to make with Vulture Jack Squad <laughs> and he said he wanted me to come up to the Hammerstein and so I said cool and I remember landing and driving right to the Hammerstein and I debuted as part of the Vulture Squad with Jack. And I came out at the Hammerstein, and they were crazy, bro. And I was like, I was shocked. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know these ROH fans would be so receptive. Mm-hmm. And they just showed me love the whole time I was there. So that was a real cool experience. That's So what happened to where, like, Cause you you were there for two three years. What happened to where you were just all of a sudden you were? It's not only like you were you were gone. It's like there was no writing off. There was nothing. You just gone. What what happened? Like it started with Jack not being there anymore mm. because he, he was in Japan, right? I think he was in Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Mm. And I don't know what happened backstage with all that and then it was like they started doing a transition and they just went on a big like they got rid of a bunch of people like Gabe and like a bunch of other people so I'm just like wow but it wasn't no hard feelings or nothing it was a cool Mm -hmm. time like you know just business That's dope. You kind of uh, lived your career like that, huh? right? It's just like, it's just business, man. I'm here to have fun while I can, and it's going to be dope. I, I really kind of appreciate that, hearing that about your career. So, yeah, like I described uh, coming into this podcast, you are the first ever Black CZW World Champion. Describe to me getting from delivering a ring to this company to being the world champion of the company. How did you get there? I mean, we were just killing it at the time with the blackout gimmick. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I was probably like just about, I just started losing a lot of weight at that time. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was just on top of my game. And everybody in the group was just killing it at the time. And I remember them coming up to me like the day I got to the show. And they were like, yeah, you're winning the belt tonight. And I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I wrestled Messiah, who's another great wrestler. Like, mm-hmm. Messiah puts it in. And we were out there just try. We, we killed it pretty much. And funny thing about that match, <laughs> I tried uh, a new I tried a new move where I do a shooting star off the apron, and the guy rolls out the way. And then I keep backflipping into him, and he keeps rolling mm-hmm. until finally I land on him. 
Now, the first time I tried this was with Messiah. And when I told him about it, he's like, cool. And I remember him doing a roll. And when I landed on him, he rolled, he went to roll the extra time. And my knee ended up hitting him in the head. Ugh. And he was like, out <laughs> for the rest of the match. Oh. And the funny thing was, he kept going <laughs> like it was nothing wrong. And I was shocked because I was like, it was, I mean, it was times in there where he was out, but dude was so good that he just kept it going, bro. And he gave me a really good match that night, so I really appreciate Messiah for that. That's crazy. That, Pro wrestling is so nuts. I'm glad that we've gotten to a place where we don't have to, you know, have moments like that because that's crazy. Yeah. Is that the? There's a gif online of you hitting that spot. Is that? Is it that one? You hit it more than that. The one. Oh, yeah, right? I hit it a couple times. Yeah. There's one that, that everybody kind of posts on Twitter that's of that spot that's pretty popular. So that's super interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, as we come winding down, very recently you got inducted into the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, and, as of course, everything we've kind of described here is why you've gotten there. And it was so important, I think, to uh, that you know, that class and what they're representing to have you in there, especially so early for what you represented. And at the time, um, how was it just to kind of be, you know, given that honor? It was great, bro. Like mm -hmm. GCW, Britt Lauderdale, like some of the best people in the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Britt, he's always been my dude from day one. So when he called me and told me that I was, I was shocked, bro. I was like, really appreciative of the honor you know what i mean mm -hmm. and uh, the way he like set that whole thing up that night it was great bro real good feel i have to ask um webs like and i don't want to feel like i'm lazing you or like going <laughs> above and beyond want, just because you're here but like as someone who has been well established as an influence to all these other people. And as someone who now has a, a, a long running stable, who is like that, that has a legacy behind it. If you were to continue on majorly, cause I know blackout's not done. Y'all still wrestle at ACW. I, I, I checked out the tapes. You still got, but if you were going to add more people that are, that fit the mold of what all the blackout represents, that same sort of vibe, that same sort of energy. Is there anybody who comes to mind uh, and I'm not only asking this for myself, I'm asking this for a uh, man who I consider my brother and Calvin Tankman, who was like, man. That's... I already gave Calvin his blackout shirt. <laughs> hey, he was, he was confused. <laughs> I'm the messenger. I'm the in-between. He was is. like, he was like, hey, I don't know if that meant that I'm, I'm like, I'm in, or he just gave me the shirt. It's like an honor. It's like, no, I, Calvin I don't, he's in, bro. Calvin was <laughs> That Say less. Go. We got breaking news. Yeah, I, I would definitely put Calvin in all day. Is there mm -hmm. anybody else who comes to mind that you would, or anybody else just in general that you like enjoy their work? I'm, oh, man, or... I, I like a lot of people, dude. Like, um, it's hard to just name people right off the top of my head. Like, I yeah. like, uh, you know, of course, I like my boys that are already on TV right now. Like, mm -hmm. shout out to all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the newer guys, I like Will Osprey. Mm -hmm. okay. Osprey puts it in. Um, my boy Joe Lando puts it in. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Joe Lando. I've been okay. watching that kid since he was trying out all that shit in his backyard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was dope, bro. Um, no, Tony Deppin puts it in. Um, Alex Zane. Um, Blake Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Oliver. That's my dude. Like... <laughs> Yep. I love Jordan Oliver. That dude's fucking cool as shit. Um, you know, my boy Richie. That's a lot of them, dude. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys watch CZW or not. They got a guy named Deshaun Pratt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my dude. Yep. Um, I don't see. I hate shouting people out because then I'm gonna miss. Somebody. <laughs> you feel like you're gonna miss somebody. somebody? I didn't mean to put you on the spot. My fault. Yeah, my there's fault. There's a lot of people that are dope out there right now. And um, I really don't want to miss anybody. So I don't know if I remember some some people, you know. 
Yeah. DM it to us. We'll shout them out on your behalf. There's a lot of dope people out there right now. So what's your uh, GCW has a 420 show coming? I really like Dante. Dante Martin, incredible. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. A lot of these. A lot of the people you named be doing some of your spots, which is very interesting. Like Will Ospreay does some of your spots. Oh, it's yeah. funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, with um, with uh, everything kind of going on, um, like I said, GCW has a show, a 420 show uh, announced, and they have announced you. You're still active. What's your status? Are you full-time wrestling right now? Are well, you I'll taking select bus- bookings? What, where, where are you at at this moment? Well, right now I'll be doing a lot of indies coming up. Mm-hmm. Like oh I really? Thought, yeah, I thought of getting back in uh, wrestling shape. So uh, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go back and uh, put in some work. So, uh, but are you are you ready to come to the Midwest, uh, my <laughs> dear, my my good Sarah? Because if so, we may have some business. To talk uh, dude, about. I'm, I'm ready to do whatever, bro. Like mm-hmm. right now, right now, I say I'm probably about. I'm about. 50% where I, where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I say by 420, I'll be pretty much where I want to be. But by June, I'm going to be a beast. So I'm ready to go. Right <laughs> around the time that nap is coming back, ain't it? <laughs> Noted. Uh, just so you know, I run a promotion <laughs> with Calvin Tankman uh, out of Indianapolis, and we will we will definitely be in touch. Don't even oh, worry about that. You, 420, you, I'm putting it in. So we're getting it in on 420. <laughs> Man, this is it's like really great to hear that you're gonna come back and uh, show these youngsters what time it is. Like this is this is really great news. Um you're gonna like it's funny that i'm asking this but like are you gonna have new stuff like how could you have more like you could still do all the spots that you've done previously and they're gonna look new in this day and age which is crazy yeah <laughs> like the only, the only spot you probably won't ever see me do again is that uh stand in phoenix splash Ah, that's such a, a classic crazy just sentence to say. It's like, yeah, I can do everything, but that, like, uh, dude, the difficulty <laughs> level on that move is insane. Oh, but like, <laughs> you, it's crazy you even did it to be like one percent of people. It's like you sounded like you regret. It. It's like, man, right? I'm I sorry, can't, I can't, well, I can't do that. I, one. I really wasn't gonna do it. Like, I did it by accident. Accident. And, uh, we were at a show just fucking around on these like gym mats these dudes had. And I was just trying to do like a a moonsault twist and land on my feet for like a uh, for like a counter. Or something. You mm. accidentally did a phoenix splash. <laughs> you actually did, did too much. <laughs> and I did a phoenix, so like, <laughs> knocked the wind out of myself on this gym. Line. And I was like, "Holy shit!" And they were like, "You can't do that again." So we doubled the mats up, and I did it again while the mats were stacked. So I'm like, "I could probably pull that in the ring," and I wasn't going to. And I wrestled, uh, I think it was me and Jay Briscoe versus uh, the Outlaws. And one of them was Hurricane Kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying, just do it. Just <laughs> and, do it. <laughs> and I'm like, if I fuck this up, I'm going to look stupid. He's like, man, you did it three times, just do it. So the first couple times I did it, it was easy. You know what I mean? But then I'm just like, I ain't going to, I don't really like putting anybody else at risk so the room for error is so close right (laughs) that's so that's so crazy just like the fact that a you said oh i did this and it was an accident b (laughs) you said hey man i could probably do that i could probably do it again (laughs) i could probably do it again but third it's like "Eh, i don't think i could do it anymore i'm sorry y'all if we're 99 of people on the face of the motherfucking planet can't do it once (laughs) There are people that can't do it off the top rope. You can do it off the top rope and on the ground. This is like, it's I, one small question, and this will be quick. You can answer yes or no. Uh, debate with me, and my friends. Do you think that anybody could do a four fifty with enough time, or do you think that like, hey, so for some people, like obviously, you know, Big Show's not doing a four fifty. Like we can put that out off to the side. But do you think that anyone could do a four fifty? Mad easy, in your opinion. That's capable. That's capable. I mean, yeah. No. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> he 
said, yeah. Here, here's the thing. If I'm 450 pounds at the time. Right. And I can figure out how to do a 450. I mean. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. Realistically, I shouldn't be able to do half the shit I can do. And I'm just being honest with you. Like, Ruckus was 450, J-Rose, 450. I did a... He was the size of the, the name of the yeah, move. I did a... <laughs> I think the first time I tried to do a... What do you call it? A Sasuke special? Where you did a cartwheel and a corkscrew moonsault over the top rope? Mm-hmm. Right. The first time I did that, I did it in my yard over a fence. What? And Hold I was on. Like, Stop. <laughs> Pause. That's videos are <laughs> online. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm like, I'm on it. Continue. Up, like, <laughs> Ruck his backyard. I'm sure you'll find it. This is but like, this is um, incredible. Yeah, I'm doing all the stuff in my backyard. If you look up those videos, and like, like I said, I would just try to come up with just off the wall moves that you really wouldn't see, or like innovative moves that well now that they're known as being innovative but at the time i was just trying to come up with some crazy shit you know what i mean <laughs> i was still in all that shit in the backyard all the moves not, i was still in all the moves not the flips in the backyard because mm-hmm. i couldn't do the flips but all the power bombs and sit outs whoo brother i was like eating thanks ruckus thanks for all these moves i got you <laughs> so i appreciate that because you had a bunch of backyard wrestling kids going absolutely insane. I was actually just talking about someone with that on how backyard wrestling is not like a thing anymore. Like there was a time where that was for me, it was life. And for a lot of people around the country, it was kind of the same. And that was like a form of training, even though they tried to like put this crazy tag on it, a yarder type thing. But you were kind of learning some fundamentals before you even got to the big show and for a lot of people it translated well some of the biggest stars in the industry now were backyard wrestlers but that's just not a thing in wrestling anymore do do do, do you feel the kind of same way like you don't see any backyard wrestling these days do you do you see new backyard wrestling um not really like right. i remember when we were doing it it was a lot of different people doing it it just kind yeah. of blew up you know what i mean I submitted tapes to those best of backyard wrestling tapes. We never got on, but I definitely submitted them. <laughs> <laughs> you were all, you you were a part of the tapes too, right? Yeah, I think I was on a couple of them. Mm. Incredible, wild. I know Sanjay was on a lot of them. Yeah, the Sanjay. I remember seeing Sanjay and Matt Cross on the first, the original ones, and like being like, "Man, that'd be so cool to be on these." But you know. It happens how it happens. It still happened, and, and and it's still we still were backyard wrestling as good as we could, even without the little kind of rub. We're gonna get into uh, yeah yeah a couple of super chats before we move forward. Um, Van Twinblaze says, "Oh yeah, go ahead, Jeros." Well, uh, I don't know if you're um, how familiar you are with these names, but uh, we have a, a, a person in the chat goes by the name of Van Twinblade, and they love the St. Louis wrestling scene. Uh, they wanted to know uh, your thoughts personally on a. Uh, wrestlers uh 2t atm jabari king and mason st good now the uh outside of 2d who is a, a women's wrestler and atm uh the other two wrestlers are relatively newer so mm. i don't know if you know who they are but if you know any of those any of those individuals uh let us know what you think of them or if there's anybody that you know out here in the midwest st louis but out here in the greater midwest that you uh particularly rock with um the wrestlers you named, I don't think I really saw their stuff yet. Because mm. I haven't mm. really been keeping up with a lot of indie stuff. Yeah. Other than, you know, what's around me right now. I'm just getting back into the whole swing of things. Mm. When it comes to, like, you know, the watching shows and everything. Mm-hmm. So I only know a couple of the newer guys. So I really couldn't speak on those guys. But I will definitely check them out. Definitely. For sure, for sure. We'll get you. We'll get to those names. Is there anybody else in the Midwest, St. Louis area, or the Midwest that you that like? I know you say you don't keep up, but anybody at all, whether it's somebody who's been doing it forever, a new guy that 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 comes to mind. Because there's one person who comes to mind to me that is almost a direct. You are a direct influence of, and that's Myron Reed. Myron Reed, I was gonna say. Oh, yeah. I like Myron mm-hmm. Reed. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of his stuff in uh, MLW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's dope. Um, Definitely big ruckus influence. Yeah, I don't think I got to meet him yet, though. 
Say less. I was gonna say, yeah, I would, I'd like to see y'all meet in the ring for sure. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, please line that up. Yeah, I just got, I just gotta get back into like watching a lot of indies around the country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like usually, I, I'm just getting back to traveling again with GCW. So, is this? Have you this. had any matches this year, or that's gonna yeah. be the first one back? I wrestle in Maryland mostly. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I do shows other places here and there, but, you know. Maryland's your home. Yeah. Right, right now that there. I'm, like, you know, motivated again. Yes. I'll be all over the place. Love it. So, like, then then, then my last question is, I, this is not my last question, but I know we got to go. <laughs> my last question is, who are you looking to mix it in the ring with? Or, is it, or give your general statement. To the to the to the greater independent wrestling world before 420 hits like so then put them on notice this is your time this is your space call your shots say whatever you gotta say you you're a very humble human being as i've come to come to figure out so you may just yep. be like hey i'm just happy to be back in the ring but if there's any any anything you gotta say to anybody out there i, I just want to get the floor to you i mean it is what it is bro like anybody can pretty much get it if they want to you know get in there and mix it up I know a lot of those, uh, the AEW shit looks fun, so I'll be looking to go up there and do some shit. You like it over there, huh? You like it now I mean, looking like, over there, huh? They got a lot of cruiserweights that I like, so. Huh. Interesting. Maybe Tony Inter- Khan, uh, <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> maybe hit your boy up. Huh, I'm definitely gonna say, hey, 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 you guys, maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, somebody wants to get back in here. These are a lot of interesting developments on this podcast. We got one more uh, uh, super chat before we actually get out of here. RIP to Virgil, J Rose, Camaro's gonna waste Tankman during the Road Warrior Cup. Also, yeah, Danhausen versus Warhorse for the Glory Crown of Glory, and I'm gonna miss it. Sad. Appreciate you as always, Van Twinblade. And yes, you're wrong. <laughs> R.I.P. to Virgil, R.I.P. to Mike Jones, a legendary figure in this space. So uh, I'll get into it full and some other podcasts here. So, but yeah, appreciate you, Van Twinblade, for submitting that. So yes, um, J. Rose, you got all the. I, like you said, you I could talk for five more hours, yeah. but we're trying to just you know we're trying to be normal human beings here. And uh, but you got all uh, everything in. More more or less, I'm just uh, you know. <laughs> While well, well, I have the space, you know, we will we will be messaging one way or another very, very, very soon. But uh, you will be I seeing want... me on, a, on another video game this year. So, oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, no. I'll be on the yeah. wrestling code game. Really? Oh, wrestling code. Oh, right. mm-hmm. And I hope it comes this year. Wrestling. I've been waiting. Yeah, I've been on uh, Ultraviolet Pro Wrestling as well. Oh yeah, I've been oh. seeing those clips of those Ultraviolet Pro Wrestling, and that looks crazy. Yeah, uh, so you can look out for those. But I just want to say thank you for all that you've done for blazing the trail, you know, for, you know, I'm not a wrestler myself, but I know so many people who are like, damn, can we talk about Ruckus for a second? And then we go on like an hour long conversation about how dope you were and some of your best moments and how like everybody, everybody be ripping what you do. Um, I appreciate that. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the show. You, for, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. The way that you feel about Too Cold is the way that my wrestling generation feels about you. And I don't, you know, I know you recently, especially recently with the Hall of Fame and everything, you've been getting your flowers. But, like, uh, nah, you you deserve all that and more. And uh, I know you said 420, but I hope to see you in uh, your stomping grounds. You know, not your home, but your stomping grounds in Philly for WrestleMania weekend. That's yes. Cool. If you're not if you're not even just there to make an appearance, maybe in a custom fuck or something, then what are we doing here? Something. What are, yeah. You hold the record for the most matches ever wrestled in the ECW arena. And if you're not in Philly, what are we doing here? What was the point? What what why what was the what was the point of even having WrestleMania in Philly if you're not gonna Do be I really there? hold that record? Yes. That's real. It's That's all, a bar. I, I swear on my Holy life shit. on Wikipedia, you hold the record 149 matches. And this is I I would guess it still needs a little bit of updating, but like you have 149 matches in the ECW arena. Man, that is I the record. More than me. No one, I like if you really think about it, who would have more than you? Like Dreamer, right? right. Uh, if you go throughout time, they Dreamer, probably didn't even run enough to have that many shows. You know what I mean? Right, Quackenbush maybe. Like, but outside of like names like that, when you really think about it, it's you, man. 
Because so you're not in Philly. In there for a while. Yeah, you got to right. be in Philly. I'll be there. Right. You, you got, you know what I'm saying? I don't know doing what, even if you just showing up, dapping, dapping up, I almost cursed, dapping people up. You I'll know what I'm saying? I'll be wrestling. I'll be doing everything. You'll that. see me on, on some shows up there. Trust me. Hey, no spoiler alert. That's all I needed to hear. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Reg. Wow. Just a wealth of greatness i appreciate you for coming on ruckus thanks for uh adding to the conversation j rose your insight is amazing this has been great ruckus is coming back on the biggest stage of independent wrestling on 420 for gcw and we are so excited and it sounds like there's going to be more a lot more so by the end of the year we're going to be like yeah ruckus came back and he destroyed it so i'm so excited man thank you again for coming and thank you for everything you've done thanks for the innovation thanks for just being a cool ass brother honestly thank you guys appreciate it i just wanted to pop in here as well and uh say thank you ruckus uh thank you also to all of our guests this month janai kai brooke valentine billy dixon alex kane Stephen wolf thank you j rose for uh stepping in co-hosting and uh you know taking my seat for this month but more so uh We'd like to welcome J Rose back for any time he'd ever like to. Open door invite. So uh, get used to seeing J Rose around here more. He's, uh, yeah. If J Rose wants to be here, he's going to be here because he's been such a delight this entire time. Such a great wealth of knowledge, like I said. So, yes, J Rose is indeed officially forever. I'll put it in my bio. Uh, independent wrestling is the best form of professional wrestling, and these yeah, two are the best podcasts. So, yeah, yeah, these right. are just all facts. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, have a wonderful week, everybody. Uh, go watch Crossbody Pro Wrestling before Dynamite. Love you, everyone. Peace.